All right. Welcome. Welcome to the Score North Twin Show. This is Jake DePew, joined by a very special guest, Patrick Royce. Uh, Pat, how's it going today? Not too badly. Uh, one of the real tragedies of this spring, in addition to the tan- pandemic and, the, of course, the uh, civil unrest for good reason, uh, is uh, the, we're having a phenomenal spring in Minnesota. It would be it would be by far the best spring we've had since Target Field opened in 2010. I mean, it's supposed to rain later today and maybe tomorrow, but uh, the minimal rain, warm temperatures, blue skies, and no ball. I saw Phil Miller tweet out a couple of days ago that he was tweeting out the temperatures of what the uh, all the home games would have been, and they wouldn't have had a single rain out uh, all spring or snow out. And uh, temps in the 50s and 60s. So, yeah. And this week, I think they'd be home this week. And we were 95 yesterday, and uh, it's uh, got to be 80-something today. Uh, now it's supposed to rain later today, but uh, it's uh, it, it's been a phenomenal spring. And uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate because we all know next year on April 22nd, it's going to snow 15 inches. And uh, it's going to be 28 degrees on opening day. We know that. Uh, because those are the odds. So, anyway. It doesn't get any more Minnesota sports than uh, building a team that finally can contend for the World Series, having a perfect spring, and it's all canceled because of uh, coronavirus and the most inept commissioner of all time, and that's really saying something. Yeah, this is just a, uh, a hit that the owners have to take financially to get back on the field. But let's face it, they already blew it. This was, they could have been playing ball June 5th, June yep. 5th, and they would have had, FSN would have had a 20 share when they had a game on, and uh, if they get back in July, they'll be competing with everything, and people will be mad at them, and uh, they, they, they couldn't have screwed this up more. They had a, what was a disaster was not also an opportunity for baseball. If worse comes to worse, that original plan they had playing Florida and Arizona, although Arizona is having a big spike in uh, in uh, in the virus, opened everything up. But uh, you know, the original plan. Uh, you know, I I don't think it's a hundred percent on the ownership, but it's certainly the the yesterday that they come out with the big plan yesterday and try to sell it as they're offering the players seventy five percent. And then you read the fifth paragraph, and it's fifty percent. It's a worse deal than they offered before. Not only that, but it's not even more money. And it's like, no. do they really think that nobody's going to figure out how fractions work? Like, do people are they so dumb and so tone deaf that they don't think that not only the union but just fans that they won't immediately figure out that they're offering the same amount of money just in a different package? It's so stupid. It's beyond words. I just I, the idiocy of of the owners and the commissioner is just it's mind blowing to me. It really is. Well, ninety four, ninety five. Uh, you had the strike. We hadn't. There were hits of steroids then, but we hadn't had the scandal because I was one of the stoops that was there for Sosa and McGuire saying, "Boy, these guys really do some weightlifting, don't they?" <laughs> You know, I was one of the guys covering that the last couple, three days. But as bad as position baseball was in, and 
security wise uh, after the strike of 94, 95 and getting people back and blah, 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 going to be much, much worse now. You got the pandemic, you got the you civil unrest, uh, you got a, a sport that is incapable of reaching out to the black community because we don't have any black players. We got about 8%. And and then uh, and then this not playing in just every both sides looking greedy as hell, you know, in the in the middle of a, of a financial disaster for America. It's uh, baseball's position. I think I said today uh, in another conversation that uh, we will be the uh, baseball will be the seventh or eighth most popular team sport in America when this is all over. Right behind lacrosse. <laughs> Out here I on mean, the East Coast, lacrosse is, uh, I think lacrosse is already bigger. <laughs> well, with the youth, that's for yeah. sure. Jake, you throw in, we're going to get rid of the minor leagues. You know, we're going to do everything we can to destroy the minor leagues. We're going to have a five-round draft, which means there's 300, 400, Okay, 218-year-olds who would have committed themselves to baseball who are they're not going to take $25,000. It's uh, They're giving away a whole talent pool here and thinking that, oh, well, we can do it again next year. I, the five-round draft makes no sense to me. It's It's got to be at least 20. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you? I talked to John Anderson about it. You know, and John Anderson's a college coach. Now he only had one senior, so it didn't make that much difference to him. But uh, but he was going to lose, you know, he was going to lose some of his players for coach, and he thinks it's terrible. He thinks it's idiotic that these, you know, that they're telling these kids, okay, three years, I'm going to get my opportunity, and Max Meyer will. But uh, I, I don't know. You're just – you're doing everything you possibly can to diminish a game that was already struggling to maintain its popularity. So is this just ignorance on the part of baseball and the owners? Is it arrogance that they just think these people will keep coming back? I mean, I, I, I truly don't understand it because if you look at, at the metrics of the fan base, it's people in their 50s and 60s who are watching baseball. And I mean, do they just assume that they're going to draw in this younger generation uh, and not lose them to basketball and hockey? I mean, it just seems like such arrogance and there's no reason for them to be arrogant because – they're losing. I mean, they're losing all of these fans. It's like they're making decisions like they're the NFL, right? Like yes. they and and you you uh, you just hit on it. I actually was talking to Judd Zolgad yesterday about this very thing. The NFL owners are just a corrupt cabal of money grubbers, right? We can all agree on that. They don't care about the manpower at all. And you know, Roger Goodell. Uh, saves his job no matter what because he maximizes profits, does everything he can. They just put the screws to the uh, the players in a 10-year deal. I blame the pair, players for being idiots, but they did. But I really think that is Manford's um, absolutely maximized profits. That's all he's concerned about. Bud Sealing, little daffy, but he loved baseball, this guy. Oh, excuse me. I saw that coming. I was hoping I could fight that sneeze off, but I couldn't. Do it. <laughs> That's all right. I think Manfred made me sneeze, but uh, Manfred, it, this is all, this is look like the NFL cutting down expenses as much as you uh, possibly can 
and uh, you know, just doing uh, cutting down expenses by trying to maximize profits. And here's the trouble: you got guys like Crane down in the mm-hmm. or your owners. Crane doesn't like baseball. He just bought it. You know, he likes to spend time at his golf course in Jupiter. And, uh, you know, he's also had the scandal that he basically paid no attention to. But you got more and more of these owners who are only investors there and they want to be like their NFL counterparts. They're never going to make the profits of them, but they want to make $50 million a year or $100 million a year. And if it means, Ruining baseball in little towns in Appalachia, that's okay with them. But what? So, this is my question, and this is something I just cannot figure out. If you're a billionaire, there are many more profitable vent- business ventures than owning a major league baseball team. So, if you're a billionaire and you hate baseball or are apathetic about it, as most of the owners seem to be at the very least, and I would include Polad in that category, I, I think he likes it fine, but I don't think he's passionate about it in any way and obviously he just inherited the team but why buy a baseball team why i just don't know i think i think they like to see their names in the paper you know i like to see you know like carl polad the first time i had ever heard of him even though if you were in the financial world of minnesota you'd heard of him but the first time i remember being at the i was still in st paul i was at the st paul paper and i looked on the wire and the Eagles were for sale, I think, because they were, the guy was getting thrown out of that. Leonard Toast was getting thrown out of the league for gambling or something, uh, or big nets or something. I can't remember. But, and they had the list of the buyers, and one of the buyers, and it, the the partner with one of the buyers was Carl Polat of Minneapolis. And I remember turning around the desk and said, it was Carl Polat of Minneapolis? And then, of course, about three years later or four years later, came the, the Twins for sale. By then, we'd heard of him. But we hadn't, you know, Carl, Carl was operating in, in anonymity before he bought the Twins. I think maybe it was the attention. I don't know. I, I don't know, but I think that's part of it. You know, George Steinberg had a lot of money. Who'd ever heard of him before he bought the Yankees, you know? So. I guess that's part of it. I don't know. I think if you buy an NFL team, it's to make money, right? Right, right. In baseball, I think part of it is the uh, is the ego trip of uh, you know getting your you know seeing not not your name in the paper, but not your name on television and everywhere else. But, uh, it's uh, that would be. I I don't know why they why they want to do it. Uh, I remember uh, we the Twins this this club in town. There's a club in town of uh, very wealthy people uh-huh. five years ago that it's kind of, it's not a publicized thing, but they had one of their meetings at, uh, at Target Field down at the Champions Club. And uh, they had all four owners there. Uh, uh, I think Leopold had bought the uh, Wild by then and Ziggy and Jim Folad showed up. And uh, and Glenn Taylor was there, and and Glenn didn't own the Star Tribune yet, so we were, you know, <laughs> we weren't, we didn't fawn on him too, you know, overly. So anyway, yeah. but I remember asking that question: What? 
I mean, you guys kind of, you know, live your life as billionaires without anybody paying much attention to you. And now you can pick up the paper and read, read uh, that you're, uh, you know, read nasty things about you, you know, the poll ads, uh, cheap poll ads. And, and, and then I, 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 Jim Pollard answered the question and, you know, in his usual low key, boring fashion. And then I asked it to Ziggy. I passed it along to Ziggy. And Ziggy says, I don't know. I don't read any of your columns. And I said, Oh, good. Then I can keep writing anything I want to. Which, uh, you know, in most crowds, that would have drawn a laugh with his fellow rich guys. It didn't. But uh, anyway. Uh, but that's, you know, I I guess that they're all, you know, whoever heard of Ziggy Wolf except for some widows suing him until he bought the Vikings, you know, so I don't know. So, I mean, have you ever seen, in all your years covering sports, have you ever seen a more self-destructive act than what baseball is going through right now? Because, I mean, they're committing suicide and it's like they're too naive to even realize it. Like, have you ever seen anything uh, I think like they this? Realize it. I think they realize I think there's some of the owners uh, realize it. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they uh, – I, I really think it is you have a group now that is scared of losing $30, $40 million, you know, and, uh, you know, not realizing they're going to get it on the back end, right? So, uh, yeah. Bowl ads would like to be playing. I really do with this lineup and everything else. And, you know, they're paying their minor leaguers and uh, they're trying to be good citizens about this. But uh, obviously they aren't the people that Manfred's listening to now. Manfred's listening. I mean, getting rid of the minor leagues, Jake, that's the Houston plan. Yeah. Taking our advice from the cheats. uh, Well, and I have to say, the, the whole minor league thing, that people were just fawning over the twins, just just raining down compliments on the twins for paying their minor leaguers four hundred dollars a week, <laughs> you know. Well, because it looked good in contrast. Right, that's all it is. It was we're just paying them, yeah. Right, but I mean that Jim Polad. But other other teams were getting rid of forty of them, so uh, you know. Right, so it 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 looked comparatively less terrible, but like the fact that. It just shows you, you know, public perception of these teams and these owners. It's like Jim Polat is worth three billion dollars, and all the fans are are tripping over themselves, congratulating Polat. I don't think all of them. You can still find the cheap Polat crowd. That's well on Twitter, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but just think of all the fun they would have had with them if they decided not to pay them like everybody else. So, not like every, most of them did. Most of them. Take so much heat, they keep kept paying them. Then I, I don't even. Yeah, know. well, did you see the Nationals story? They they backed off, right? Yeah, because they got more money than the bull ads, right? Yeah, yeah, they're worth like five filthy, billion. filthy billions. Yeah, yeah, they're worth like five billion, and they wanted to shave a hundred dollars a week off of the four hundred dollar a week stipend. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and they're the world champs, man. They can do anything they want. Thank God they won the World Series. I know. And the Nationals. What do you think is going to happen if they come back? Are we going to are we going to refocus on the cheating scandal or not? Which I I could not get as upset as everybody else on that one. But, uh. That's a good question. I, I 
I, I don't know. I this is I, I will say this. This is the best thing that could have possibly happened to the 2020 Astros. Yes, it is. It's uh, it's uh, not uh, it's not going to be the big. Well, we know one thing. The first uh, the first two weeks were uh, that we, we that we won't be reviewing that. Maybe later if they come back. I don't know. Is, are they going to? Are these dummies going to play? I I don't know. I don't know what's what's. Uh, you, you'd like to think. You know, I think we all thought there were negotiations going on. But you didn't. I don't think there are. I don't yeah, think, I don't think even... there are anyway. I don't think there are because the the owners just basically, as you say, put a put a different bow on it, but offered the same deal that's already got wildly rejected. So, how do you like my strategy, though? If they come back and play, I call up Tampa and say, "What do you want for Blake Snell?" <laughs> With Blake Snell's popularity standing. I think you could get him for joyless shashin. <laughs> you could get a damn good left-hander who's a moron, but a damn good left-hander. I think I think they should make the move. What the hell? You already are coming back in such low standing in America. You might as well take a good left-handed pitch. Yeah, the Blake Snow would be a fantastic addition to. Uh, I don't know about the clubhouse. Well, he's he's probably liked in the clubhouse. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's a hell of a pitcher. Uh, but he, but that was my next question. Do you think they will play this year? They got a week, right? They got a week. They, they got they can't they can't go much longer, right? I mean, what I got to ask you, Why did the NBA say we're going to start July thirty first? I think I don't know. That had to be. I think it's logistic. We don't. That had to be TV tell them we don't watch your games in the middle of the summer, right? Yeah, I think it's partly that. And I think it's that, you know, it takes a long They need to hold a, a mini training camp and then oh, they, yeah. they all go down there. And I think they have to quarantine before they can start games. But I agree. It seems like they could get it done more quickly. My guess is it's, yeah, it's TV, but I don't know. Baseball, you need what? Can you do it in two weeks? I think they need at least three weeks for the pitchers. Yeah, with the pitchers, right? Yeah. yeah. But I I think they'll play because Manfred has the authority, apparently, to just mandate a season, to just say we're playing 50 games. So, we're, so and we'll, we'll pay you your full salaries and we're playing 50 games? Exactly. We'll pay you your full salaries. Well, why don't they do it then? Well, because there are a couple of reasons. They want, they want they, more games, obviously, to make it legitimate, but uh... – they want more games, but they don't want to pl- pay the players their full pro rated over mm-hmm. say, 70 or 80 games. So they're essentially offering all these BS deals to show that they're, they want to show the players that they're making a quote unquote good faith effort to play as many games as possible because the players are going to file a grievance, right? The players mm-hmm. are going to file a grievance saying you didn't make a good faith effort to play as many games as possible because that was part of the original agreement back in March. And so the whole reason they're offering these these BS offers is so that when there's this grievance, they can say, no, we tried to play 80 games and the players rejected it. Right. We now have, when is the deal up? After 2021, right? Mm hmm. After 2021. Doesn't look good for a peaceful solution, does it? No. I, I think no. what's going to happen is Manfred, they're going to run out the clock until there's no time left. And Manfred's going to say, all we have. 
All we have time for is a 50-game season in August and September. They're going to play a 50-game season. Everybody's going to be miserable. They're going to they're going to have a postseason that won't mean anything because half the teams that make it are are going to be just there because of small sample size. And they're going to have to go to. But the other thing is, they're going to have to go if they're playing in November. They're going to have to go to Florida, right? Yeah. Well, they're not going to play. They're not going to play in November. That's part of the the league's uh, argument that they don't want to play in November because they think that a second wave of coronavirus is coming. So they, they're, they're basically refusing to play in November. And a lot of that is, is because their TV partners don't want don't November want baseball. Yeah. They sure don't, they don't sure don't want them on the first Tuesday of uh, November. I'll tell you that. So yeah, they, they don't, they don't want baseball. They have the greatest TV ratings for a presidential election in history. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't want baseball anywhere close to that election. They don't want any sports close to that election because you're not going to find higher advertising costs than in the lead up to, to Trump Biden. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think they're going to, they're going to end up playing the 50 game BS schedule. Teams like the Tigers are going to make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> no guardy. I, I mean, really, they really might. Guardy says with his, uh, you know, he's had prostate cancer and he's blood pressure problems. He's not sure he wants to manage. Why the hell would he? Yeah, well, I, last year, he like he basically went on September 10th or so. He said, you know, I'd sure like to be back, but I could see if they didn't bring me back. Yes, yes. It was basically a plea to get fired, but they wouldn't do it. There, you know, they figured we're rotten anyway. We might as well let him... Uh, yeah, it is a crime that this uh, lineup we haven't had. We won't get a real chance to see this Twins lineup, though, because you know after this year and after the financial beating they take, I've been saying this year's a hundred and thirty-five million dollar payroll will be ninety-five next year. Max. If, if that, if that, yeah. Cruz will be gone because they won't be able. They won't pay him. No. Uh, yeah. Rizzi will be gone. They won't pay him. They won't. They won't want to pay. Uh, who else is going to be a free agent? Uh, I mean, they might not even want to pay arbitration for guys like Rosario. Rosario will be in his final year of arbitration. Yeah, yeah you can't. Uh, and he gets a year, right? He yeah, gets, he's got, he's and he gets a, You get a year of service time this year, whether they play a game or not, right? That's right. That's right. So Rosario will be on his final year next year. He'll probably be due ten or eleven million via arbitration. They might not pay that. You know, yeah, try to move them and try to move them, and they'll end up getting a double A minor, the eighteenth best prospect in some organizations. Poor Eddie, man. He finally he was finally getting <laughs> making some money so he could relax. You know, uh, yeah, he seemed he seemed a little, last year he was tense all season, and uh, you know I don't you know he had the he had the good numbers, but I don't I don't as as a clutch hitter I did not think he was as good as he'd been. No, the second half, you could feel it. You know, I haven't been paid, but this spring he looked like loosey goosey. So uh, I remember we we talked about this when we did a a podcast uh, in Fort Myers. We were saying he's finally getting getting paid, and he's going to yeah. have a good year because he's relaxed. Well, now he's going to make a third of his eight million, right? So he's going to make like yeah. two and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. He's probably going to be a, a wreck again. You know, have we uh, have we seen how the viruses are are 
did most some of these guys most of them go home to the Dominican or not? You know that that's a good I'm question. Virus tour in the Dominican. I, I yeah, I, maybe the heat is uh, helping defeat it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know where Polanco and Cruz. I don't know if they went. I think Cruz is still in the state. Polanco's in it. Polanco's uh, living in Fort Myers now, I think. Or oh, is he? Yeah, but I, when I was down there uh, in uh, like January, you know, he was already around down there in, in Fort Myers last year. And I think he told me he moved there. He was. Miami, you know, a lot of them live in the Miami area too. So uh, but he's living in the states now. I think a lot of the Venezuelan guys, the Venezuelan guys are, you know, all living in the states now. They didn't go home. Well, yeah, that I mean, yeah. I don't blame them for not wanting to go home. Yeah. What's uh? What what are we gonna do now? Are we gonna try to lowball the? Uh, because we're having a five round draft come July second, are we gonna lowball all the? Uh, all the uh, international players do? Probably. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and that actually brings up another good point. I w- really wonder whether the international guys feel differently about uh, holding out for, for more money in these negotiations, you know, because, yeah. you know, you look at, at the, the lead guys on the, they have this MLB. It's like the executive subcommittee. It's eight players. And they're basically in charge of, uh, you know, making the decisions for the union and, and communicating to the to the players what they want to do. Well, any, I look, uh, any I look, kids? Anybody from the Caribbean? What? So uh, Elvis Andrews is from Venezuela, I believe. He's the only one. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. They don't have and a Dominican. They don't have a Dominican. And, so, and I'm going to double check that right now just to make sure, but. It's pretty much all uh, Americans, you know, and and it's not only that, but it's players who have already made uh, a lot of money, you know. And so, yeah. I, I I just you know, if you're a if you're a Dominican player making the minimum, do you want to sit out for more money or do you want to play? You know, I mean, I I just I I really I they would never say that. You know, they would never uh, admit to that because the unions want to stay strong um, and be united. But I do wonder if there's, you know, players or you look at even a guy like Devers in Boston, one of the best players in the league. He's making five hundred and sixty thousand a year. Yeah. You think he wants to sit out? And and even, you know, what now next year you get your year of service time. But what good does it do? You get, you know, you can't go and take zero, zero, zero. I mean, you can go back to two years ago and say, I want $5 million. Okay, but you're not getting eight, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't know. I've, I've often thought, though, Jake, where would baseball be without the Dominican Republic? Oh, yeah. Since no young blacks play baseball in America anymore, they go play football or basketball. And where would they, where would the talent pool be if it wasn't, if the Dominican didn't turn into this? Uh, machine of, uh, of baseball prospects for the last 25 years. It's, uh, it's, you know, and I also often thought about what if you discovered the Dominican treasure trove and still had 20% of your players being African-Americans, mm-hmm. 
you know, you go back to the sixties when they dominated the game, when the black guys dominated the game. If we, if you could put those two talent pools together, it'd be an amazing game. It, yeah, absolutely. But why, you know, why would these guys play? I mean, they're all, they're all playing basketball and football, you know, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm looking at this subcommittee, these, this eight player, Andrew Miller, American, who's already made, you know, millions, Daniel mm-hmm. Murphy, same thing. Scherzer obviously has made hundreds of millions. Uh, Corey Guerin, who Corey Guerin is, I don't think he's in the big leagues. Is he, did he, did he? I think he's in, I think he was a non-roster invite with the twins. Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was yeah. Still on the committee? Is he still on the committee? Yes, he is. He's on the big league roster. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, he's they list him here. Chris Iannetta, uh, James Paxton, Colin McHugh, and then Elvis Andrews. So you, so of the eight, of the eight guys, seven are American. Uh, why wouldn't you have a guy like Nelson Cruz on that? Committee? I know, I know, and why wouldn't you have? Not only more diversity, but have some players on there who haven't made millions yet. Yes, that's true. Well, they got some, you know, not they got a couple, but uh, they got Garen and I guess yeah, like Corey Garen. What the, you know, he's not in the big leagues. He's he had no chance to make the Twins. It's uh, I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't. You know, I'm I'm, I'm anti Manfred like everybody else, but I'm also uh, not impressed with the union leadership like they used to have the smartest guys in America in the union. They don't anymore. Marvin Miller would have uh, figured out something here. It would have been a battle, but he would have he would have seen the value of playing. You know, it seems like Tony Clark has struggled in that role. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well, you know, it's certainly the background of of. Uh, educational genius isn't there that you had with Miller and Fear, that's for sure. And Wiener was a Wiener was great. Was, uh, his death was tragic for that union. Yeah, I mean, do you? It's tough with the players because I I do understand their reasoning for sticking to full prorated salaries, right? I mean, they're they're putting themselves at risk and they're putting their families at risk. Uh, and I think they deserve under the circumstances to get paid their full prorated. So I get it. I get why they're, they have a hard line and they're sticking to that. But do you think, do you think it's tone deaf that they're not willing to make concessions on that end? Uh, Just given every, I mean, it's, I think they're way too paranoid about that. This is somehow going to be the first step towards the salary cap. Yep. That's Manfred's, goal but i think they should you know i think they can just say okay fellas you can give us 70 percent, but that's got nothing to do with what happens after 2021 so just know that you know just know that that you cannot you're not going to be able to use this against us so i think that they're i think they're overly paranoid not about baseball's attempt to go back to the salary cap thing, but they're too paranoid about if you, if you give in now that somehow that's going to set a precedent for 2021, anything that occurs in this pandemic does not set a precedent for anything. Cause this is a world in which we've never existed. And if major, if if all sports 
exist. If, if, if we come out of this pandemic with as many financial problems everywhere as you, as we perceive sports as we call them are not going to be, uh, you know, not the, not going to be the same anyway. So, you know, I, I've worried too much about whether this will set a salary cap for 2021. I think this is yep. my theory on them, but I'm not going to blame them because the owners are the owners have been so duplicitous that they've made the players look good, even though the players haven't behaved that well. That's exactly right. Yep, and the level of 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 distrust between the two and. It's, it's funny. It's back. You know, you thought maybe it was, you know, I grew up in this. My first year on the beat was 74. And right when it was, you know, the haymakers were starting, right? Marvin Miller against John Gaheron. One of the great mismatches in the history of brain power was uh, he was the chief negotiator for the players, but I mean, for the uh, owners. Uh, and I, I lived through that, but of course, the dollars now at stake are way higher, but but really, you really thought that they had uh, after the strike of '95 that they've you know for 20 years it wasn't as ugly as it was, but it's being ugly now. Yeah, and you know I'm surprised that Tony Clark kept his job after the 2016 CBA because that was a disaster for the players. And well, not a disaster, but it certainly was. It wasn't a victory, but it wasn't no. a disaster. <laughs> well, disasters is doing what the NFL just did to their players. Which yeah. your agreement, which we found out today, includes Dalvin Cook not getting a year of service if he doesn't show up on opening day of training camp. They signed off on that. So nothing that Tony Clark did compares with D. Morris Smith, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, the the NFL players' union is just so weak. I mean, yeah. they just have no leverage. They got the advantage of guys that want to make three years of money before they get cut. That's their problem. So. Exactly. So, all right. So, if they play a fifty game season, let's say the Twins play a fifty game season, they make the playoffs, uh, and they and they win the World Series. Is that legitimate in your mind, or does that come with a big ask? You know, everybody remembers the Dodgers of, uh, you know, 81 of, uh, you know, it was a hell of a World Series, but that, of course, was 110 games. No, I don't think it is. I really don't. I think it's like, I think it's like if the Wild win the Stanley Cup in a 24-game playoff that you don't even know if you would have made the playoffs. It's, that would be more legitimate than this, but not much. But no, I don't think it's legitimate. I, I, I don't either. But don't you hope if they come up with this system and put 16 teams in the playoff, I'm like, I'm really hoping that uh, oh, uh, Seattle wins it or, you know, somebody. I'm yeah. really hoping a bad team wins it, aren't you? Like the, yeah. the best team in the. You know, not the tiger. The tiger. The tigers aren't going to win it, but the mighty whiteys. I hope the whiteys win it. You know, somebody like that that wasn't really ready to win, but wins it, right? Yeah, so, because it would be a big fu to 
to baseball yeah. and everybody would know it wasn't legit. Yeah. I, well, what do you think is going to have to happen as far as the spring? I don't think that even if the virus comes back in the fall strong, like they say, well, it's strong now, but I don't think they'll shut. They, they might shut down sports, but they're never going to put the genie back in the bottle as far as making us all stay home and stuff like that. So I think we're, just, you know, what they're telling us now is you got to live with it. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think, think just uh, I, I don't I wonder how bad it would have to get. It would probably have to get like Italy was before the you know, when this whole thing started to really shut down sports. I think they'll just keep functioning. This idea, and, and, and of course, the other thing, we have no idea how many positive tests it's going to take to say, OK, Remember that schedule? We we got a fifty game schedule, but one of our teams can no longer play. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Another week, I say forget it and come back in next spring and try it again. But if there's not a vaccine by next spring, which there might not be, they're gonna face the exact same issues and they're gonna have the same idiotic arguments. You know, this this whole thing that that we're watching could play out in exactly the same way next February, right? I mean, if we don't have a vaccine, there are going to be fans in this world. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Either that or uh, I don't know. I, there is so much. There's been so much bad. I, I don't. I don't blame the local government here for the first month of inconsistencies and stuff for five because there, there was so they were getting so much bad information. But uh, there's so much bad information on how, you know, now they're telling me to go out and drive my car with the windows open. I'll be healthy. If I just never go home and sleep, I'll be good. So uh, it's, uh, well, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But I think that a lot of people are going to have to face financial realities in, in the world of sports. That's for sure. And, uh, college sports and all, all of them and maybe that's part of it the, the baseball players certainly I mean, these contracts you signed were based on what seven billion dollars worth of revenues and now they're claiming they're gonna have two and a half so yeah i mean that's a the financial reality is that uh you know, Jake, I was driving downtown yesterday and I drove by that uh one one point one five billion dollar football stadium. And what if the, what if for the next two years we can't have people at the games? I know. I mean, who's, you know, the city of Minneapolis has got hundreds of millions invested in this over a 30 year period based on people <laughs> being there and spending money and being downtown and doing all this. And, uh, you know, well, the birds will still be there. The world in which it's, uh, I guess my favorite moment in the whole pandemic was when uh, Sid Hartman had uh, a lead item in his column that Dave St. Peter says he's never seen anything like this. And I had an opportunity to tell Sid, Sid, you're a hundred. You've never seen anything like this. So you can't ask that question. You're not permitted to ask anybody if they've ever seen anything like this, if you haven't seen anything like this, because you're <laughs> That's oh, right. Oh, my God, it was a huh. So. 
<laughs> well, poor Ziggy, man. I don't know what Ziggy's going to do if if uh, no. if they can't fill up his stadium. the The birds will keep showing up, but yes, uh, yeah. Boy, the uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. I'm not worried about Ziggy, but I am worried about City of Minneapolis. We, we don't know whether we want to have police or not, but uh, but we see these hundreds of millions. I don't live here. Uh, you know, we gotta come. We, we drive around town and see all these, all these uh, cathedrals built for sports. And you wonder, oh, was that, were those the wise investments we thought they were? So. Yeah. Well, so what do you? Well, since you brought it up, what do you think about uh, about defunding the police? What's your opinion on that? I uh, think it's a uh, I, if they're smart enough to just have it be a pressure tactic to change things, then that's fine. But you need cops. You, know, you need you need a police. You can't. I was out talking to some uh, African American gents in their sixties today who are outraged by this whole thing. Uh, they also say uh, you got to come up with. You can't just say we're going to do this. You have to tell us who is going to replace them. We can't use the honor system. <laughs> I promise not to commit any crimes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely can't apply. It's a pressure tactic for change, but I don't think it's, it's, for, it's not reality to not have law enforcement. That's for sure. I agree. It's not reality to not have law enforcement, but I do think it it's it, – it's reality that you could put some of the millions and millions of dollars that you put into the police force into public schools, right? So there's a big difference between abolishing the police, which I think personally is unrealistic, and defunding the police, where you put some of that money into areas that desperately need it, whether it's schools or public health or whatever. Even better. Uh, Put some of that money in the schools that you put into the dome for Ziggy. <laughs> right. Well, and that and that's so ridiculous. You know, I mean, the, the state of Minneapolis public schools is pretty bad. And meanwhile, you know, while the schools struggle to, to survive and have huge budgetary cuts and huge classes because they can't afford to pay teachers, we're paying $500 million or whatever it was to build a football stadium, you know? It's absolutely insane, and and Ziggy has the money. It's not like he needed the money; he just didn't want to pay for it. Yeah, a, uh, they've they've figured out how be, between uh, what the NFL gave them and uh, and what the uh, ticket holders gave them for the seat licenses and uh, all that. Uh, Ziggy made more than a fifty percent uh, contribution. But uh, cash out of his pocket was about thirty-seven dollars and fifty cents. Right. Anyway, that's that's. I think uh, I, yeah, we got. There's no uh, no doubt about it. We got to play. We got the issues, and uh, we, uh, you know. yeah. But I agree with you. I think this might be the peak of professional sports. I don't know. <laughs> that we're, I don't know that we're ever going to see it uh, as this big of a money maker again. I really don't. No, I don't know. I I think the days of. Uh, you know, that you can buy a beer for four bucks in a bar and you got to pay 13 at a ballpark and, uh, you know, uh, a $14 sandwich and all that stuff. People are just not going to do it. They're not gonna, we're not going to have the money to do it. You're not going to have the money. You know, I always said that, 
you know, I quit drinking back in 81 and I, I look at these people and I say, how in the hell can I some, you know, fairly blue collar guy making 50 grand a year, go to the ballpark and have three beers. I don't get it. You know, yeah. and, and a hot dog and I just spent 50 bucks without buying a ticket, you know? Yep. It's amazing how sports have, uh, have decided to rip off the public for every nickel they can get out of them, even though they've had great public assistance in building their stadiums. It's incredible. They've, they're just, uh, the, the prices they charge in, 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 uh, in, in these public buildings for concessions and things like that, it just, just mortifies me. I can't believe it. Yeah. I mean, when you really break it down, it's it's almost inexcusable to be uh and, and I I fall into this category, but it's almost inexcusable to really support professional sports and and high level college sports when you look at the amount of money they make and and the and the degree to which they rip off their consumers both in in game like you were saying and using tax money to build these ridiculous cathedrals you know I mean it it. It's awful, <laughs> given the state of the, the country. I remember, I, you know, remember I, the great, I remember the great Ed Garvey, that was the first union president of the players. He's a character. He, just to get him organized was an incredible, incredible thing. He was a Minneapolis lawyer and a, and a good guy. And uh, I remember he gave a speech once uh, to the, like the Minneapolis downtown business club or some damn thing like that. And he got up and he said, now he'd gone to Europe a couple of years earlier and he visited the great cathedrals of Europe and Notre Dame. And he mentions all these and he said, and now we build our cathedrals to sports teams. <laughs> he said, well, they're all, they're all very upset at his, uh, at his thing, but that's, that's what we do. It's uh, I guess it served me well. I love Target Field, and oh yeah, I don't like the Ziggy Dome. It's too damn ostentatious. But uh, but yeah, it's in, it's incredible how we've allowed them to blackmail them. Those days are over. They are. Think, they are. Who's going to get the? By the way, good luck, Oakland A's getting that ballpark. You thought yeah, that's never happening. Those days are over. Those it, days are over. You might as well go back to uh, contraction because. Uh, Oakland and Tampa are not getting ballparks after this. Nobody is. This is this is a a reckoning. I mean, it, it, it professional sports. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think five years from now, major league payrolls will be fifty, sixty million dollars. You know, and yeah, it might not be that low, but I bet I bet the top of them won't be over a hundred. Yeah, you know, Yankees and those boys. They're only be well. First of all, these regional TV networks. Are, the promised people $200 million a year are going to have to come back and say, sorry, you know, we, we don't have the money. So. Well, like the Dodgers, right? Didn't, don't the, didn't the Dodgers just sign like a 25 year, like hundreds of millions of dollar TV deal? Yeah. Like, yeah. They all, you know, a lot of them have had that. I mean, the twins are, I don't know what it is now, but it was like $29 million a year. And that was like cheap. Oh, but yeah. I don't think FSN's getting rich about it. They'd be getting rich at it right now if these dummies were actually playing. But uh, no. that's right. Well, and and the and from a media perspective, I think this. I don't think we're ever going back to 
sports writers being able to just go in the clubhouse and oh and god no that's that's it. all changed did you hear what uh, the nba is doing no this hasn't been publicized yet but to get inside the bubble in orlando inside the bubble in other words the hotels cover the games and talk to people if newspaper media you know media outlets probably all media outlets that aren't partners mm-hmm. 3000 how much 63000 63000 proposal is so as ambitious as score north as i don't <laughs> think every dba uh, cuz Bowls aren't there. Otherwise, we'd pop up with the sixty-three thousand. <laughs> that's that's going to be the new normal, though. I mean, not not that, but the our days of uh, going down to spring training and walking in the clubhouse and finding the story those are those are over. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, every every CBA, the players in baseball try to negotiate uh, to get to get media out of the clubhouse. I mean, they don't yeah. they don't want us there. Nobody wants us there. No, they're going to have them. They're going to bring them out to the dugout or have them in little rooms or stuff. It's going to be like college sports now where you're not really going to get access. Maybe I'm lucky. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I started in 68 in St. Paul in the Twin Cities, and uh, I'm probably lucky that I worked through an era where uh, it's to some extent a golden age of sports uh, because we're going to see it again. So. Certainly for sports writers, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, and and it's and it's bad for fans too because if you know if you don't give reporters clubhouse access, as much as the players hate it, that's where you get the good stuff. You know, yes. I mean, you don't you don't get good stories from putting players up on a podium for ten minutes and and reporters asking them the same three questions over and over. I mean, that's not going to get anything. Well, Judd was uh, Judd and I were talking about this yesterday that. Because I've wrote something about 41 Donut, the famous Viking playoff oh, game, yeah. 2001. And I talked to Judd about the great, there were great quotes after that game from both clubhouses, Candid and, you know, Moss ridiculing his team and himself. And, and then the Giants clubhouse was great. Like, we didn't know what these idiots were doing. They kept trying to stop the run when we threw the ball. And those days are over. You're going to have, you know, four people. These were standing there talking to guys, you know, around their lockers. Those, those days are over. You're going to get, you know, Coach Richard Patino followed by two players at a podium. That's all you're going to get. So, anyway. Uh, you know what? I'll never forget about that game. I, I went to the grocery store to uh, to get snacks for that game. And I was there <laughs> longer than I thought. And I got back 10 minutes after the game started. And I turned on the TV, and it was fourteen nothing. You know, yeah, they uh, there was twelve fifty three to go in the first period. It was fourteen oh. Yeah. Oh man, that he was... didn't run a play. And and Moss and Moss just quit running routes. And like, oh, yeah, he just said the hell with it. He just stopped doing everything. So he was he's a... one of my he's one of my favorite Minnesota athletes of all time. Everybody loves him, but if you had to deal with him, he's a complete moron. Yeah. Yeah, well, he he wasn't. He's gotten smarter and wiser in his age, in his old age. But he was a, he was, he was an idiot. Yeah, there's no doubt about his immense talent. That's for sure. Your story it lives in River City. 
where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.